You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, Josiah. Ethan here. You beat me to it. Yeah, I did. You did the introductory <laughs> thing. Yes. It was very smooth. Thanks. I could tell you were prepared. I was prepared. You... I thought of it for a whole six seconds. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, I've always thought about how some podcasts, not all of them, but some of them have a certain rhythm to introducing their names. They definitely do. And I kind of like it, but I also like the free form. So yeah. I'm just, I'm ready to let the dice roll. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll have proper maybe theme song introduction we'll or something it. we'll find our way we will find it you know what else we're going to find our way into today oh, oh tell me hell that was an unexpected Whoa! turn <laughs> <laughs> you surprised everyone including me <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about something that well to say that i find it interesting would be way underselling it yeah oh, i agree i agree way underselling this is it. This is deeply fascinating. To yeah. Me. If you're familiar with the Apostles' Creed, you know that there's that odd sounding line in the traditional translation of mm. the Creed that says Christ descended into hell. Oh, do I ever know that line? Yeah. It's, I mean, that is, it's gripping. It is. And it's kind of one of those things the first time that maybe you like say the Creed aloud or you read it, you read it and you're like, uh, <laughs> what? Hold on, Christ? Like, what does that say about my theology? Yeah, like, in hell? Like, what What gives with that? So, for those of you who have been wondering, fear mm. not, because your trusty friends, Josiah and Ethan, mm. are here to tell you that is all about it. All about it. A full a full exposition, all questions answered, all doubts eschewed. And we're, I mean, that's what, that's what we're doing in 20 minutes, right? You betcha. Yeah, In a 20-minute podcast, we are going to, as we always do, solve... <laughs> Millennia-old church <laughs> problems you know, and quandaries. Here's the thing. On the real level, I just like to think we start the conversation. Yeah. You know? That's we it. start the discourse. That's it. And that's, that's what we're here to do today. That's what we do. And uh, before we actually begin, I would like to address the potential listeners who might be thinking to themselves at this moment as they're listening, what does this kind of topic have to do with my normal everyday life? Well, you know? So just encourage you not to tune out yet. You know? Don't Don't... Don't press the skip button right? or, you know, close your Overcast app or whatever you... You don't, you don't need to speed up the podcast. No, speed. no. The topic we're discussing today is certainly mysterious, yeah, mm. and it uh, may seem like merely spiritual trivia, but mm. by the end of this episode, I think we'll get a clearer picture of how this talk of Christ's descent into hell is actually very good news for us, oh. uh, of the kind that can encourage us and give us strength, most especially in the midst of normal everyday life. So, I will also note that before we get too far into the discussion, I'm not dogmatic in my interpretation of this concept as it appears in the scriptures. So, it is truly one of the greater mysteries of the faith. That's, that's a much more wholesome answer than I think than I think I would have given. I think I would ultimately just say like, you know, you don't like it. Uh, where's your imagination? Where's your sense of wonder? Uh, this, I mean, this blows my mind, this type of content, and mm-hmm. I am here for it. So, um, yeah, but yeah, encouragement too, I guess. There's yeah. that. So, Christ descended into hell, did he? Oh, did what? he? Oh, now you're already <laughs> just already flipping the tables on me. As I want to do. The answer to that question depends, as it always does, on what you mean by your terms. <laughs> so, what do you mean by hell? We have a pretty monolithic understanding of hell in the West. I think most everyone thinks of hell as the place of punishment for the departed souls of the unrighteous. Sure. You know, we probably imagine a dark red landscape that's barren with flames of fire shooting up and the devil frolicking about with a pitchfork. Oh, you must mean the most memorable episodes of Looney Tunes. <laughs> Because I kid you not, there are, there are some weird ones. In there. <laughs> See, I was trying to like, I don't, yes. was that 
a oh, theme yes. in some of those episodes, especially the, especially the Tom and Jerry ones, where the bulldog was the devil. That is so weird. And, like he would have this dream, and he would fall in and be like pitchforked into a cauldron. Man, there's some weird cartoons. That is some strangeness. We <laughs> and we just watched this as yeah. children, and our parents and grandparents. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mm. So anyway, aside from Looney Tunes, when it comes to the Apostles' Creed, that image of hell. That's probably not what they were really thinking of. That's fair. As a matter of fact, the phrase, he descended into hell, might not have actually been in the original formulation of the creed, but was added a little later. That's possible. Okay. You'd have to do deeper research one way or the other to find out where that actually falls. It's not widely agreed upon oh. one way or the other. But at any rate, it's there now, and it is it is the creed that is most widely used in church services across the world. So you got people who are possibly saying it every week. So what were they thinking of when they thought of hell? Well, what they were probably thinking of was simply the realm of the dead. Uh, okay. So in Hebrew, the place the dead went to after they died, that's a little redundant, but there it is, was called Sheol, yeah. which in Greek was called Hades. Oh. So in modern translations of the creed, you actually sometimes hear that line, not he descended into hell, it's he descended to the dead. That's interesting. Yeah, which is to say he descended to the realm of departed spirits. Right. His soul was separated from his body. Right. And he went there. And if you remember our series from Easter of 2018, actually, in between, if you want to go back and look that up. Actually, one of my favorite, unironically, not saying that for the podcast. Yeah. Because we deal with these exact kind of issues, and it was very clarifying to me. Yeah. From that series and from podcasts we even did around that time, our listeners and church attenders may remember that we know that Jesus descended to the realm of the righteous dead, which is separate from the realm of the unrighteous dead. So this is now where we're getting into things that are sort of complicated, so you kind of have to trace this out a little bit. I love like the near mythological feel of this, Mm -hmm. because not only can I personally not explain it very coherently... (laughs) (laughs) But this, for me, kind of brings out the sense of wonder that, I mean, sadly, I seldom associate with faith. Yeah. And this really brings it out. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that is not, it is not widely talked about. Mm -hmm. Again, I pick on us in America and I'm including us Sure. In that. But like in the Anglican traditions and, you know, not modern evangelical traditions, this is not foreign. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, which I think is neat. It is neat. When we're talking about this whole realm of the dead, we're talking about a spiritual place. Again, I'm doing the air quotes there. Spiritual, (laughs) quote unquote, place. But it's not, <laughs> this is where it really gets complicated because it's not spatial in the way that we understand it. It's not like you can enter the realm of the dead the way you can enter like a room. But we have to talk about it in those terms because that's the only way we can wrap our brains mm. around the reality of a realm of departed spirits. Mm. Like we have to talk about it in physical terms, right? But it's not physical. We're using the, what we understand about the physical world to explain the confines of a spiritual realm. Yes, yes, because that's precisely what it is. It's a spirit realm. It's not a perfect analogy, but if you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings... <laughs> Uh, which, even if you're not, if you've listened to this podcast any amount of time, you <laughs> talk about this. Um, but whenever Frodo puts on the one ring, he goes to a sort of wraith world. Yeah. That might give you at least some picture to train your mind's eye upon when you're talking about this sort of thing. Like, it's this weird, like... A way to see it differently. Yeah, and it's not, like, the world functions differently for Frodo when yeah. he's in, like, that wraith world. Like, he's suddenly, like, you know, he can see the eye of Sauron and, you know, he's, like... The things around him aren't like typical it's, rules. Do yeah, not it's, apply. it's weird. So all that to say, there's one place where all the dead go. Okay. Now you think about it in those terms, like just 
collectively one yes, one, one place repository. Um, yes, but that one place, according to Jesus in Luke sixteen nineteen through thirty one, which is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, is separated by a great chasm. And so, in that one place, the righteous go on one side of the chasm, which is paradise or Abraham's bosom, a place of rest and peace. And the wicked and unrepentant, those who didn't have faith, go to what we would think of as the traditional hell or Hades, a place of torment and judgment. So, is is the whole place Sheol or just one side of it? So, the Hebrew understanding in the Old Testament seems to be that Sheol is the whole place. Okay. And the then, whole realm. Yeah. Interesting. And then, mm-hmm, and then you've got it split down the middle with the, okay. the chasm there. So when the creed says that Christ descended into hell or to the dead, depending on which translation you're reading, what the authors seem to be getting at was this, that on Holy Saturday, which is of course the day between the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus experienced the totality of human death, which is to say, of course, he experienced fully the most feared of reality I think, for for human beings, and his soul was separated from his body. But as was prophesied in places like Psalm 1610, God did not abandon his son's soul to the grave. Again, in the Psalms, it says, you did not let your Holy One see corruption. Hmm. So... Oh, that's interesting. He went there, but he wasn't left there. And then, of course, as Paul goes on to say in Colossians 2 and 1 Corinthians 15, Christ disarmed and triumphed over the powers of evil and then swallowed up the grave, so to speak, in victory. So, okay, this is esoteric, right? But does that... Oh, yes. (laughs) Does that imply that a soul in this realm has some form of of agency? Like, if, if Christ's experience of a full human death and the consequence of that still had the ability to act autonomously and affect some sort of change. Can the spirits of this realm kind of move and shake, so to speak? Yeah. So, and again, this is getting into the esoteric, like scripture's not 100% clear here. Like we're kind of, you know, this isn't gospel truth. It's not like, you know, I'm going to come out here and say, if you don't believe this exactly (laughs) as we say it and what we conjecture from the scriptures, then, you know, you're, you're damned. But like you take the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, if you take it as, okay, it is a parable, but if it is truly indicative of some of the realities, of the grave. The rich man was thinking about his family and he was able, he was able to see across the chasm and ask Lazarus, hey, like Abraham, can you have Lazarus dip his hand in something to cool my tongue? So, I mean, again, it's not, not in the physical way we think of, but in some sense, if we're taking Jesus's words as a little bit more than parabolic and he's pulling back the curtain a little bit on that realm, then yeah, like there's something they can do. It's not exactly a spiritual hibernation of any means. No, no, no. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, they were, obviously, the rich man was feeling torment of some kind, and Lazarus was feeling peace of some kind, which again also goes back to Jesus's words to the thief on the cross. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Like, oh, oh paradise. Yes. Okay. Like, like that has feeling yes. attached to it. You're able to sense something. Yeah. So fun fact on this whole thing, the medievals called this whole thing the harrowing of hell. Oh man, what a, what a title. I know. Like I, that alone, I just like, all right, that's, you know, I'm in. Yeah. Tell me, it. tell me more. And so, so it's not all conjecture what we're saying. So in places like Isaiah 38 and Job 17, the realm of the dead is pictured as a city with gates and bars. Oh, wow. Like that's how it's pictured. Wow. Now, again, just to clarify, 
we're talking about a spirit place, right? We're saying it's pictured as a right, city right, with right. gates and bars. So the picture then, if you take the Psalms together where it says you didn't abandon his soul to Sheol, if you take verses like Ephesians 4. Now, I'll also add the note that some of the interpretations of these verses are debated among scholars. But, okay, that's fair. But if you take verses like those in Ephesians 4 where it says when he ascended, he led a host of captives. You take all these together, the picture you get and the one that the medievals often went with uh-huh. is that Christ went to the realm of the dead, ripped the gates off of their hinges, liberated Abraham and the Old Testament saints by proclaiming his finished work on the cross and in the process taking them to the third heaven that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians yeah. where they still wait for the bodily resurrection, but they're with Christ. And also in the process, proclaimed victory over his enemies on the other side of the chasm and basically confirmed their condemnation. So that side, the paradise side of the chasm, yeah. basically got an eviction notice. Yes, but of the best kind. But like, like uh, permanently? Yeah. So As like, to, wow. Abraham's bosom or moment. paradise, yeah, became... Vacant. Um, yeah. So like what Paul says is when you are absent from the body, you've the gone to be with Christ. Yes, exactly. Wow. Um, which was not the case for... Right. In fact, there's that obscure verse in Hebrews that says, our ancestors in the faith didn't receive what was promised in their time so that they might be made yeah. perfect. And there are some who would take that to mean, oh yeah, they were, you know, like even in paradise and at rest, they were still eagerly waiting. Yeah, of course. Which even comes back to the sermon we preached recently in our Seize the Day series on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah show up to talk to Jesus. Oh yeah. Like I think and like, we're ready to get out of here, there's possibly. Even, you know? a, like, like a sense of waiting in Revelation. Yeah, yeah, you the got the... Or something like that. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, you have the saints who are given the white robes when they're crying out, how long, O Lord, until yeah. our deaths are avenged, basically, and yeah. we're, you know, everything is made right. And he's like, all right, wait a little longer. Like, waiting is, fine. it's a theme. It is, it really is, which is fitting for Advent coming up. Exactly. But, you know, here nor there. <laughs> so, this whole... Topic. Theologian Matt Emerson points out, and I think this is the really key encouragement, at least for me, and I think it's an encouragement to many people, hopefully, is that in his dissent, however you come to it, whether you have been listening to this and you think I'm espousing, you know, nonsense, however you take it, when Christ died and was buried and in one form or another conquered death, he became king over every single sphere of reality, including the realm where Satan is supposed to be king, the realm of the dead. Wow. That, of all things, that's pretty damning, truth be told. I mean, in a, in a, in a very real <laughs> sense. <laughs> but it's also a wordplay, yes. and I'm calling attention to it in oh, the most... Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so when we say, like in the Nicene Creed, that Christ will return to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end, we really mean that. Like, oh yeah, no, his kingdom, it transcends everything. Not even the realm of the dead is outside of his rule and reign. And for me, it's difficult to think of anything more encouraging than that, especially, well, really only for those of us who call on Christ's name. It would be a frightening thing if you do not know who Jesus is, but I find that very comforting. And uh, to come back to your comment about the sense of wonder that Christ experienced that too, yeah. that he experienced this reality of death in its fullness is mm-hmm. really, really something. It really is. Not entering into the complete unknown here because Christ has walked ahead of me. So that's the harrowing of hell. Christ's descent into hell. One of probably one of my favorite topics. Now I know a little more about. Yeah. So here's the fun thing too. Mm-hmm. Next week we're going to be talking through one of the most complicated and controversial passages related Ooh, to this whole boy. topic. First Peter three, eighteen through twenty. If you know what that means, I don't. Yes. <laughs> I'll find out. <laughs> uh, yes, there may be some who are familiar with that passage and oh, um, they're just rolling their eyes. You know, yeah. Or, hey, maybe they're like, you know, like an evil character in a cartoon like rubs their hands together because they're like, oh, excited. Maybe they're excited. (laughs) 
<laughs> not to say that they're evil characters. <laughs> That's your evil. In the words of Romans three, there's no one righteous, no not one. No no one seeks Oof. no one seeks God except except for those he he's called us, redeemed us. What? Yep. Got Went him. to the dead, bang. Mm. Bang bang. But yeah, so if if there happen to be listeners who are thinking, Oh, what about that passage in First Peter, that really weird one that <laughs> Maybe seems to have something to do with this. Yeah, yeah. We're a step ahead of you. We're going to get to that. We're getting to that next week even. I'm excited. And if you haven't read that recently and you want to go home and read it, you know, 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20. Oh boy. I'm going to have to. It's a head scratcher. I'm going to have to get prepared. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. Here we go. We've explained this doctrine and this this concept. No questions left on the table. No questions left, yeah. Well, glad to hear it. glad to hear it and glad you were here to hear it thank you for listening yes and as always if you have questions about this topic if you want to accuse me of heresy or any sort of such thing you can send that to podcast at horizonschurch.net i guess you can yeah or interact with us on social media however if you if you loved it if you yeah. loved our theories and our wonder and our excitement you can always go on itunes yeah you know what you can do you can leave an honest five-star review it's the only kind of honest it's the only kind of five yeah go ahead and do that thank uh, you thank we, you yeah We are grateful. Uh, Thanks for listening. As always, we do appreciate your listening ear. And we'll catch you next time. Mm